I can't start my day without prayer. I can't start my day without coming to God and saying, God, what do you have lined out for this day? You say, Pastor, shouldn't it be what you have lined out this day and, and getting God involved in what you have lined out? No, that's our first problem. We want God involved in what we're doing. And God says, why don't you ask me what I'm doing? I, I love Abraham Lincoln. Years and years ago, they were going into the one of the great skirmishes of the Civil War. The parson came up to the president and said, Mr. President, and I want you to hear this, said, Mr. President, let's go to prayer and pray that God is on our side in this great scrimmage that we are about to partake in. And President Lincoln, without batting an eye, he said, Reverend, I really am not concerned that God is on my side in this great scrimmage. My concern is that I'm on his side. And you see what you and I want to do in, in this new year and making, uh, making the time. Like I said last week, we can't, we, we, we're not going to take the time because taking the time is based on importance. And a lot of times we deem other things in our life more important. That's why we have to make time. And in making time, we have to sit back and say, God, what is it you have planned today that I can put myself in it? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Master. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, just, just look there. The scripture's going to be on the screen. But I want you, as always, when you come to church, bring your, bring your Bibles with you. Today, we're going to actually open our Bibles in, in a few moments to the uh, scripture in Matthew 26. It's not going to be on the screen, so it's only going to be in your hands, in your Bibles. And I, I love the electronic devices. I love being able to get all the versions on your electronics and stuff. But you need to, you need to get to a place to where you, you know this book. You know this, these pages. There's times that, that I, uh, I know what the scripture says, but I don't always know where it's at. Anybody like that? But because I'm so familiar with my Bible, I know that I can open it up and say, okay, there it is. There it is. Romans chapter 12. Is it going to be on the screen? I don't see it there, but... I'm assuming it's going to be there. But if you, if you don't see it, the Bible says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, and I love the way that the NIV and a few other translations, your reasonable act of worship. Your reasonable. And when you, when you look up that passage in the original Greek, it literally says that it is that place that you make a time for God in your life. I cannot start my day without prayer. I cannot start my day without prayer. I, I generally, over the years, I go out on my back porch. It's just too stinking cold right now. I put my coat and stuff on, it's still too cold. And so I'll be inside the house, and, but I can't start my day without prayer. I can't start my day without coming to God and saying, God, what do you have lined out for this day? You say, Pastor, shouldn't it be what you have lined out this day and, and getting God involved in what you have lined out? No, that's our first problem. We want God involved in what we're doing, and God says, why don't you ask me what I'm doing? 
I love Link, Abraham Lincoln. Years and years ago, they were going into the, one of the great skirmishes of, of, the, of the battle of the Civil War. And the, the, the parson came up to the president and said, Mr. President, and I want you to hear this, said, Mr. President, let's go to prayer and pray that God is on our side in this great scrimmage that we are about to partake in. And President Lincoln, without batting an eye, he said, Reverend, I really am not concerned that God is on my side in this great scrimmage. My concern is that I'm on his side. And you see what you and I want to do in, in, in this new year and making, uh, making the time. Like I said last week, we can't, we, we, we're not going to take the time because taking the time is based on importance. And a lot of times we deem other things in our life more important. Look at somebody and say, he's probably going to talk to me today, isn't he? That's why we have to make time. And in making time, we have to sit back and say, God, what is it you have planned today that I can put myself in it? There's too many times we want God to bless this and bless that and bless the other thing. And I, I sometimes, just like I said earlier, when somebody asks me to pray for them, what am I praying about? Because just because you want it to be blessed don't mean that I'm going to pray a blessing or that God's going to pray a blessing or that anyone else should pray a, bless, pray a blessing. It's because we need to say, God, what is it you want? How many would love to see God do what he wants in your life? Okay, I'll give you the secret. One word, die. God won't share his throne. And as long as you and I are on that throne, God can't do what he wants. God can't do what he wants as long as you have the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel, or however that song goes. I, I, the bumper stickers used to be all over the place. You know, God is my co-pilot. <clears throat> Let God be the pilot. Let God be the pilot. Pastor, this isn't in your notes. That's right. All of them today may not be in my notes, but they will be in his word. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your bodies a living sacrifice. I always thought that was an interesting scripture. How can you be a living sacrifice? All sacrifices are killed, and then they're placed on the altar. But God gives you and I the option to crawl on the altar. And then he also gives us the option, if we don't like it, to crawl back off. That's why we're a living sacrifice. But then he puts these words in there, holy, acceptable. That word holy, a lot of people think, well, I can't be holy. All the word holy means is your life set apart. Putting him first. Putting him first. My wife and I and Pastor Mitch and Jeannie uh, went to the Grand Canyon. They wanted to go to the Grand Canyon and while we were there at the Grand Canyon, we were thinking about a place to eat uh, afterwards, and, and we looked at the places at the canyon. But we drove by this place on the way in, in Tucson. And I saw the restaurant, and there was actually two of them. And I said, that's what we need to eat. And, you know, we were, it was a steakhouse. Surprise, surprise. And there was two next to each other. But we came out, and I'm thinking, okay, God, because I, once again, I, I asked God, what do you got planned for this day? So we went to the canyon, coming out, we stopped at this restaurant, and it was closed. Well, the other one next to it looked like it was closed, but it had an open sign flashing in the window. Let me tell you something, sometimes God will use that open sign to say, open your eyes and start looking for me and not something else. So we walked into the restaurant, sat down, ordered. And at the end of the meal, we, we, we pray for our waiters and waitresses all the time. And at the end of the meal, 
we got this text because my wife signs in, and we never sign into restaurants. We have the last couple of times checked in, whatever it's called, on Facebook. Follow me, I'll get you there. Facebook and all that kind of stuff, I kind of get lost in. But anyway, so she checked in. And all of a sudden, we get this note back from the restaurant. It says, ask for Kevin. I have a surprise for you. Is that what it said? I have a surprise for you. Little did Kevin know God had a surprise for him. But you see what happens when you say, God, I'm going to make time in my day. I'm going to make time in my life. Matter of fact, God, I'm going to make you the time of my life. We called Kevin, or we texted Kevin. He came over the table and says, my surprise is free dessert for everybody. Now, I'm not needing dessert, but turning it down is not something I do. So we took it home. But while Kevin was there, we asked him, is there anything we could pray with you about? Kevin's the manager of the restaurant. And he's just blown, he's just blown away. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm having cancer surgery on my eye. What has Pastor Mitch just gone through? Cancer surgery. A walking testimony. And so we started sharing the gospel, sharing the glory of God with him. And he said, I know you. He was looking at me and said, I know you. I don't know how I know you, but I know you. And then he and I have a bit of the same testimony. Uh, I came out of the nightclubs uh, playing music professionally for, for a good portion of my life. And then God interrupted my life. The nerve of God to do that. <laughs> interrupted my life. People ask me, and I've shared this many times, aren't you, t aren't you upset that you, you walked away from your career? You gave it all up? And I said, I didn't give anything up. I just gave back to the guy who gave it to me. We laid hands on Kevin right there in front of God and everybody. Whole restaurant looking. You know your pastor doesn't pray silently. So the whole restaurant is packed and we're praying over him. And he just afterwards, he said, oh man, that, that was incredible. I mean, he said, I felt the power of God. I, you know, and, and I don't know if he's a Christian guy or anything like that. But afterwards, we were talking to him. You see how God, if you will let God call the time of your life, those opportunities will always open. We were leaving. And Pastor Mitch and I saw him in the other way. And Pastor Jeannie and Pastor Jewel were sitting in the waiting area. And around the way, he said, I know you now. You're the voice on the radio. All the way on the Grand Canyon, they hear all the stuff that we share and all the stuff that we say. And he said, you say some really interesting things, don't you? I said, I said, you have no idea. But you see what happens when you decide to make the time? We could have went to Cameron and had big old Navajo taco. Because we were actually on that side of the park. But no. God wanted us to go back to Tucson to meet Kevin. There are things in your life that God says, if you will set yourself apart, holy, acceptable unto God, if you will set yourself apart, come out of this world and connect yourself to Christ, he will make opportunities you cannot even imagine. And he said, doing that is just your reasonable act of worship the least you could do is give your life to the one who gave his life for you the least I could do is return the gift that he gave me that I'd been given to the nightclubs all those years give it back to the one that gave it to me can somebody say amen you see putting Jesus first in my life is not an afterthought it is the first thing I do every, th every day, and it is the last thing I do every night. Say, God, this is yours. And we talked about this uh, the last time, how the disciples, when Jesus walked by them, he said, follow me. They didn't, they didn't think about it. They didn't, they didn't consider, well, my whole career, the Bible says they immediately 
at a moment's notice, they dropped what they were doing and followed him. You see, Jesus, if you will let him, he'll interrupt the now with the then. He will interrupt the here with the there. He will interrupt what was with what yet can be. If you will let him, he will literally interrupt your temporary life with a glimpse into eternity. They were ready. Are you? Is your life so much dedicated to Christ that in a moment's notice? Now, folks, don't get me wrong. This is not an easy thing. When I walked away from my career, it was not an easy thing. But if you notice the two descriptives there or the pronouns there, when I walked away from my career, what about his career? What about his plan? You see, I learned that I will never fully understand what God has for my life until I allow him to be resurrected in my life. And that's not always an easy task. Until you decide to make time. But you'll never have the time. The devil will make sure your life is so busy, so occupied. How many here get busy? Okay, a good portion of the church, the rest of you liars, because every hand should have been up. <laughs> Let's try it again. How many of you get busy? Okay, good. We do. I wonder if we get busy in busyness, which is ours, or business, which is his. Remember when Jesus was found at the temple? Mary and, and Joseph and the group, they'd all left town because they, grow, they, they, they traveled in a great entourage. They got a great group of people and they didn't know Jesus was missing. We sit back and say, what a horrible mother. How did she not know? Because there's lots of people traveling. You ever lose a kid in a store? That kid wasn't lost. He knew exactly where he was. I was in Canada one time and took our, our kids Shopping at a toy store, not a good place to take kids. And the son disappeared. When he came back, Timmy, what, where were you? He said, Dad, I knew where I was. I didn't. Jesus knew exactly where he was. He said, don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? Why are we not? And I don't say that negatively. I don't say that mainly or anything. But why do we let busyness take care of business? Mary Joseph, the disciples, they all came to a revelation that regardless the cost, they have to start refocusing their life of making time. Mary, she's always talked about how blessed and how awesome, but we, we miss what I believe is the obvious. Oh yeah, greatly blessed for giving birth to our Lord. Wonderful, full of blessing, but the reality, it was the most difficult time of her life. She had more children. But she was consumed with trying to please God, taking care of his son. Jesus doesn't need to be taken care of. You do. I do. You know how we take care of him? By giving him you. By giving him me. Some religions think they've, Mary was so blessed that they exalted her to a special place in the kingdom. But Mary never thought that. She thought it was the greatest struggle of her life. Oh, great blessing. Think about it. When she ran into a man by the name of Simeon when they were going to, to 
circumcise Jesus and, and present him to the Lord. What was Simeon's encouraging, blessed, wonderful, loving words? A sword will pierce your side too. Think about it, a young mom with a baby. What is it talking about? We know now in hindsight, looking back, that it was talking about when Jesus, his life was ran through with a sword or a spear while he was on Calvary. The blood and the water flowed representing physical life and spiritual life. Think about her nine months pregnant, riding a donkey. Ladies, nine months pregnant, what do you think? Not the donkey. Giving birth in a stable. Not quite the lap of luxury. I already talked about 12 years old. He broke their heart when they couldn't find him. And he said, why couldn't you find me? You know who I am. You know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know the interesting thing? When my wife is looking for me, if I'm at the house and she can't find me, she generally knows, depending on the time of day, she generally knows he's out praying. That's just what he does. Where were you? You know where I was. The marriage of Cana. Mary said, whatever he says to do, do. You got an entire book that tells you what to do. But the scripture says, we didn't read it earlier, but in James chapter 1, it says, don't be hearers of the word only, whereby deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word. I know people that read this book and they get it all memorized in their head, but they forget the direction of the heart. That's why the Bible says that people can honor God with their lips, but not live for him with their heart. The heart is what directs the feet. It's what directs the thoughts. It's what directs all these other things. That's why the Bible says to take captive thoughts that are contrary to God's word. Am I making any sense today? Jesus turned around to Mary and said, woman, what am I gonna do with you? Now, we look at that as very disrespectful, but Jesus said, you know who I am. You know what I've come to do. It's not time yet. But he goes ahead and tells him, bring me some water pots. And he turned the water into wine. And probably the most devastating time, I think, when you look at it, is when Jesus was with his disciples and some of the other disciples came and said, Jesus, your mother and, and, and uh, brothers and sisters are outside. What was Jesus' response? Who is my mother? And then he answered it. Those who make time for me. You say, well, that's not exactly how it was written. That's right. Let me tell you how it was written. Those who do my word. They're my mother and brothers. How do you make time? You do what he said. You apply his word to your life. The only time in Mary's life that she had the mother-son relationship that she longed for all those years with Jesus was at a place called Calvary when Jesus looked at her and looked at John and he said, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Never once in scripture does Jesus ever call Mary mother. Never. Throughout the course of her life, Mary realized that she made time for God to do something great. Can somebody say amen? Now let me turn that to you. The greatest blessing you can ever give to your life is when you give your life to Christ. Because now you're committing yourself to eternity. You're committing yourself to living for him. Can I tell you one of the greatest struggles you'll ever have in your life is when you commit your life to Christ. Amen. Why? Because now the entire world and Satan himself becomes your enemy. It's not easy. This whole making time. This is why it's so hard. There's some of you this morning that had to make a decision, I'm going to church. 
You say, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. Why would anybody have to make a decision? Because you didn't want to. Can I tell you? I don't want to sometimes. And I'm the pastor. I remember reading the story one time about this, 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 this woman. This mother was talking to her son. And she was trying to get the son to go to church. And the son said, Mom, I don't want to. The mother encouraged him. And Have you ever done that with your kids? I know people say, well, I don't, I don't force my kids to go to church. I did. Well, that's not good. Folks, it's the only opportunity I have to get the gospel into them. Because sometimes they're not going to listen to mom and dad at home. Well, that's terrible to force your kids. When they get older, if they don't want to, that's their choice. But you know what I've done? I've planted a plethora of seeds in their lives. Oh, that's good preaching. <laughs> this mom was talking to the boy, and, and the boy said, Mom, I don't want to go to church. And they had that little go back and forth, and all of a sudden, he asked his mom, he said, Tell me one reason why I should go to church today. She said, You're the pastor? See, even pastors sometimes get weary. But you know something I know? It says, do what I said. Do what I said. Mary's greatest blessing also became her source of greatest conflict. Living for and trusting in Jesus will produce great blessing, but also great, incredible struggle. It's not in your notes, but you can... Look at it in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 3, verse 12. Everyone. Say that with me. Say it again. Everyone. Look at somebody and said, he's going to tell me right now because I'm an everyone. How many everyones we have? Everyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I know that's not popular preaching, folks, but if you want to make it through life, you have to know truth. You have to know truth. My job's to convince, his job's to convict. My job's to challenge, his job's to change. And if I don't do my job, how can he do his job? If I don't separate my life, if I don't put myself aside wholly, acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable act of worship. How is he going to work through me? You know how many Christians I know go hang around with worldly people and they sound just like them? Let me, let me get a little personal. You all mind? Okay, good. It's, proper, it's polite to ask. I'm going to do it anyway. I just want to ask first. It's more polite. You ever been around Christians that talk just like the world? F this, GD that. Why should the world want to become like you? You're just like them. Well, it, it doesn't make it. Oh, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. Well, pastor, you know, sometimes I just get, I just get, so, I just get so mad and get so angry. I understand that. That was then and this is now. That's why the Bible says, crucify your flesh. That's why the Bible said, you take control. See, Jesus said, all authority was given to me, and now I give it to you. People say, well, I just can't control my flesh. No, you won't control your flesh. You can. You can. People ask why it was Mary. Out of all the women, why was she chosen? Can I tell you? Because she chose to make time for God. She always made time for God. Say, how did she make time? Can you give me one reason? Yeah, she chose to stay a virgin. See, back then, people were losing their virginity outside of marriage also. It was very common. 
She said, I'm not going to. I'm going to commit myself to Christ. Can I tell you something? If you're living in sin, if you're living in a relationship with a guy or a girl and you're living together and you're not married, get yourself out of that. Tell him, marry me or find a new place to live. Well, pastor, I, I, I tried to do that, but, but he won't move out. Marry me or I find myself a place to live. Well, yeah, but God understands. That's right. And if the rapture happens and you're living in sin, you stay, we go. Bye. You say, well, pastor, that's, that's hard teaching. It's not hard when you consider the fact he made time for us for stepping out of eternity into time that he said, if you will make time for me one day, I'll get you out of time into eternity. Can somebody say amen? I urge you there, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. It's not always what you want to do. It's not always what you want to do. Even though you know, can I tell you something? If God showed up to you and said, if you will live a pure, holy, clean life, if God audibly spoke to you, it'd probably be pretty easy to say, okay, God, I'll make that commitment. Uh, how long? Oh, just your life. That's all. Just the rest of your life. That's what Mary did. It's not always convenient when I say making time. That's why we won't take time, because we have all of our time structured. To have God in your life, you gotta make time. You gotta make him the most important thing in your life. Say amen, say oh me. Let me take you to the Bible and talk about somebody who at a place in his life had to decide whether he was going to make time for what he knew he was supposed to do. Yeah, how many would like to read? I can give you an example. Biblic I can give you lots of it, but I can give you one pertinent example of somebody who probably didn't want to do what he was about to have to do, but he made time to do it anyway. How many would like to read that story? Matthew 26. Look at it with me. And then Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane. And he said, sit over here and pray while I go over there. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then Jesus said, say Jesus said, Jesus said. Say, Pastor, you're talking about Jesus. And you're going to tell me a story that he didn't want to do something he knew he was supposed to do? That's exactly what I'm going to tell you. Then Jesus said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. That word watch means stand and battle for me. Jesus was about to enter into the worst day, week of his life. And he said, I, I can't do this alone. Look at me. This is why you have pastors that care. Call us. That's why you have brothers and sisters that care. Call them. Because sometimes we can't stand alone. I can't. I can't. Look what he says here. He went a little further and fell on his, praise, his face in prayer. Listen to what he said. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. You know what Jesus says? He said, I know what I'm about to have to do. And I ain't wanting to be doing it. I know that ain't good English, but that's good preaching. Jesus said, Dad, I know I'm at that place. And I don't want to. How many here, you knew God wanted you to do something, but you didn't want to do it? Go ahead and lift your hand. You can put it down. I'm not going to ask you to answer the second question with an uplifted hand. 
How many did it anyway? Don't raise your hand. Father, but let me tell you what got him from Gethsemane to Calvary. Nevertheless, not what I want. You see, the whole difference between taking time and making time, taking time involves what you want. Making time involves what someone else wants. You ever had some, a friend of yours that wanted to do something? And you looked at your schedule and said, it, it just, it's not there. I don't have the room. I don't have the time. But because they're a dear friend, he said, yeah, I can move this. I can move. I'm going to make the time. Jesus didn't have to do Calvary. He could have said, Dad, we did it before. Let's do it again. Shut it down. Round two. Start over. How many are grateful he didn't? He said, not my will. See, Jesus didn't want to do it. I tell people all the time, eternity hung in the balance of, Cal uh, of Gethsemane. Not Calvary, Gethsemane. Not my will. Not my time. Your time. He went a little further and fell on his place, on his face. And then he came back to the disciples and he said, guys, don't you know what's going on? Can't you just watch one hour? And then look what he says here. Taking time and making time. Most of us fall into temptation because we won't make time. We'll only make it work if we can take some time of what we're already using. This is what he's saying here. Look what he says. He says, could you not wait one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. If it doesn't fit into what you want and you won't make it fit, then what happens is the enemy comes along and says, yep, that's good. I took all your time and now you have no time to make. Am I making any sense today? And then he says these words that we like to use. I never use these words because these were Jesus' words. He said, the flesh is weak, but the spirit's willing. He said, I want to do what I came here to do. But my flesh don't want to do it right now. And then he went back and prayed again. You see the struggle? Father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus made a decision. Dad, I know why I came. I'm going to do it. He made the time. Some of you might be sitting here and saying, you know, Pastor, you don't know my past. Nobody would believe me if I told them I was a Christian. Can I tell you, don't ever let your past negate or disqualify what God can do in your life. Never let your past lifestyle. There is always hope if you will make room for Jesus in your life. Joseph, the unspoken Joseph we talked about a few weeks ago. The forgotten Joseph. He's got a pregnant fiance. He knows the child's not his. What in the world is he supposed to do? The angel hadn't shown up to him yet, but you know what the Bible says? He made time. Just like Mary. 
He was a just man, the Bible says in Matthew 1.19. He was a just man. He was in right relationship with God. And he said, I'm not going to make a fool out of her. I'm not going to make a public example out of her. I'm going to put her away privately. Because in the natural, he said, I, I know this kid's not mine. I don't know what happened. I heard the story she shared, but I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of lost in all of this. And all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up and says, Mary, uh, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, because what's in her is of the Holy Ghost. But you see, if Joseph hadn't made time to live a righteous life, a right standing life. The word righteous means right standing with God. A holy life, right standing, sanctified. They're all synonymous words. They mean the same thing. A life that was set apart. If Joseph hadn't lived a life that was set apart, this whole Mary thing probably would never have happened. Even before Gabriel showed up, he was going to protect her. When you, please look at me, it's on the screen and it's in your notes. When you simply do what God says without reservation, it shows who's first in your life. We have a great need in our church and that's our children's ministry. And most people won't do the children's ministry because it's work. Well, pastor, I didn't come to church to serve. I came to church to be served. Let, let me find chapter and verse on that. I can't find. Oh, there, Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to make time for everyone. Well, pastor, that's not what it says. That's right. He said, to make my life a ransom. Amen. The question I always ask when it comes to need in the church for his ministry is not, why can't you? It's why won't you? Right. I don't know how to talk to kids. Evan, stand up over there, would you? This is one of our best Sunday school teachers. His beautiful wife alongside of him, but she's at home recovering from something. Broke a leg. I know it's more deep than that, but she broke a leg. Stand up again, would you? Now, could you imagine this guy? Does he look like the guy we chased down to be in the children's ministry? But you know what he did? He chased us down. He made time. No, st keep standing there. Look at him. Now you tell me why you can't. Well, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not good enough looking between for the kids. I love you, Evan. But look at this. He looked like Paul Bunyan more than somebody else. And I guarantee when this boy walks, he might walk softly, but he'd be carrying a big stick. It's called the Word of God. Can somebody say amen? We have a great need. It's not that we can't. It's just that we won't. I've been asking this for weeks. We should have a line of people. Tandy, when can I serve? Tandy, when can I serve? Tandy, Savannah, let, let me tell you something else. It doesn't take any extra effort at all. Every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we have intercessory prayer. We're just going to take the word intercessory off for a little while. We have a prayer meeting. We moved the prayer meeting. We were doing it over in the, the youth area, the conference room. But I just feel in my heart of hearts, it's not big enough. So we moved into the Genesis room. Well, pastor, I, I can't get there at nine. Why? Well, because I got to get ready. 
Folks, I've stood in front of the mirror a long time, and I didn't look any different than when I stood in front of the mirror a short time. I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, Russ, I'm getting a little, I'm meddling now. It's a true statement. When, when, when I was on the road playing music and all those nightclubs, I would get myself prettied up before every show. I would stand in front of the mirror. I would make my, boy, I tell you what, I was something to behold. A legend in my own mind. After I got saved, you know what? I looked just as good as I did all that time. Because it was the glory of God shining through me, not me. Why, why can't we make 9 o'clock prayer meeting? 10 a.m. church. I am always amazed. We start worship. Miss Heather, stand up. Stand up, Heather, back there in the back, our worship leader back there. It's a little disconcerting, Miss Heather, when you start worship and there's 10 people in the church, isn't there? You're looking out there thinking, do I smell bad? I look, I look nice. I stand in front of the mirror. She probably stays five minutes to look as beautiful as she does. Just my wifey, you know, just... But the reality, look at this. Why don't we show up until 1030, 1045? Can I tell you something? And you'll hear it come from my lips. The most important part of this service is the worship. Why do you think Satan works so hard to keep you out of it? Well, that's not how, that's exactly how it works. He was the worshiper of heaven. He knows how it takes and how much work and how much it makes a difference when you come and worship. I'm going to let my wife come up and finish this sermon. Think about it. Think about it. See, folks, and I, I don't want to belabor the... The reality is most of you are living for God. You're dedicating yourselves to God. But I, I, just sadly, most of us, and there's times that I don't want to, most of us don't make the time that God wants to do to change your life, which is why we keep going around the mountain. It's through obedience to God's word and the Spirit's leading that allows us and enables us to take the time we know we have to, to make the time we know we need to in following Jesus. Today, I've had people tell me, Pastor, people just, they don't have time for me to tell them about Jesus. Make the time. I was talking to somebody this morning, and I want you, and I want you to hear me, please. I know people... Get it, get it caught up in this whole, well, there's a method to, to making room uh, to, to uh, come and talk to somebody about Jesus and, and setting the plan. Can I tell you something? I believe a lot of that's a strategy of hell to keep you from talking to him. You know how I make the plan of talking to somebody about Jesus when I know they don't want to hear it? I go into my prayer room and I pray. And then when I see them, I'm like a bull in a china closet. Let me talk to you today. They may not have another opportunity. D.L. Moody was the pastor of the, uh, I don't remember the tabernacle's name in Chicago. Uh, some of you scholars remember. The worst fire Chicago ever had. Before that fire happened, as the worship team comes, before that fire happened, thousands lost their everything. Hundreds lost their lives. Before that fire happened, you know what D.L. Moody's uh, normal service was? He would tell people for weeks, here, eight weeks from now, we're going to pray for you to receive Christ. I'm going to spend these eight weeks preparing you 
to receive Christ. The great Chicago fire happened. You know, after that, he never went a Sunday without giving people the opportunity to receive Christ. Because he didn't know who died without him. Folks, I don't know. When I go visit somebody in the hospital, the first thing I do is find out their heart's right with God. Well, pastor, what if they're not receptive? Don't give a flip. I am going to plant possibly the last seed because my Bible tells me that one man plants, another one waters, God brings the increase. God may have already planted a whole field in their lives and God's just given me the last bucket of water to blossom that seed for glory. Don't know. All I know is I make time for Jesus to do whatever he wants to do every single day of my life. And most people have little time for the things of God only because they've made little time for the things of God. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.